be that like pastor that's like, well, that wasn't good enough, congregation. Let's, let's do that again. Uh, but just know in my soul, it kind of ticked there. I almost did it. Because um, uh, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Y'all, y'all are great regardless. Um, and I appreciate y'all greatly. Um, so normally when we do Geek Church, we want to do uh, something kind of relevant, pop culture And every time's a little bit different. I want to say... I can't remember if it was exactly the last time we did Geek Church here in Raleigh. We did Demon Slayer. Not Demon Slayer. Uh, Stranger Things Season 4. Yeah. That was that one. Love that one. Uh, in GalaxyCon Richmond, we talked about what it actually means for success. Um, because, you know, what it means versus failure. Because sometimes we set different standards for ourselves. One of my favorite times was uh, we talked about the ending of The Walking Dead from the comic books and how they rickrolled the comic company. So there's a bunch of different uh, ones we do, but I want to stay current, but I also don't want to f- shoehorn anything. My goal whenever I write or whenever I do messages is like, I don't want to do something just because it's to do it. I don't want to do it just because someone asked for it. I want to be able to actually follow where God's leading me and what I'm doing. Um, and it's really hard to be in this culture right now at all and not have heard uh, a certain term recently. Um, of Barbenheimer. Now, before we go any further, you don't have to have seen Barbie and you don't have to have seen Oppenheimer uh, to go forward with this. So it's okay, it's cool. Um, one of my favorite things that we, you know, I, that I felt good about was uh, when we did the Stranger Things message last summer, somebody said, I've never seen Stranger Things, but that spoke to my soul. So we're gonna, there's gonna be some references, but we're also gonna be focused on scripture. So you should be able to leave taking whatever you feel with the scripture alone. But Barbenheimer first started as a meme. It was just like a joke of, they announced that there are two movies of drastically different advertising and scope were coming out the same day. And people just started making jokes about it because that's one of those things is like, they're so different in the approach. You've got a biographical film about the man who created the atomic bomb um, and which, you know, was, and I don't want to get everybody sad, but it was like responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people. And then a movie about a doll who has some self actualization and goes on an emotional roller coaster. And Ryan Gosling's abs. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling's abs got paid more than Ryan Gosling. Um, but I was just like, the amount of workouts those dudes were doing is nuts. Um, and makes me sad in my soul because I'm not a kin. I'm not even an Allen. Um, but Barbenheimer started out as a joke because people were just kind of pointing out the fact that these two movies of such different things were coming out the same day. And so being the people we are, we said, oh, let's make something fun of it. Let's do a double feature with it. Now, before we go further, did anybody double feature Barbie and Oppenheimer? You rock star. Good job. Now, I saw them within 24 hours, but I also took a nap and I went home and I played with my kids and, you know, I, I enjoyed it a little bit, but it's like, that's one of those things, people were making jokes about it and like, uh, Amy works in a movie theater and you saw people in full cosplay both. for both. Like, there, there were people coming to the theater in full cosplay for Barbie and full cosplay for Oppenheimer. Um, and so it was just a thing, the culture really embraced it and one of the neat things with it is that statistics are looking like the nerdy fandom and the meme culture of that got behind this catapulted the success of both. 
that if it hadn't been for the whole Barbie Heimer thing, that Oppenheimer wouldn't have done as well as it did. And that Barbie got a little boost too. They think Oppenheimer got more of a boost than Barbie. Um, but they are crediting this whole meme culture of doing this double feature with the success of how both of them did. Um, if you look at Christopher Nolan's opening weekends, this opened better than almost everything but the Batman movies for Christopher Nolan. Inception, uh, Tenet, those, it opened better for them than that. But, you know, I think one of the things too is what's it say about our culture when that's just our thing? It's like, yes, let's, let's double fist this together and go from atomic bombs to dolls and things like that. And I think one of the things that speaks to is the fact that we are people of extremes. We are people that go from big sads and big happies and there's something <laughs> strong about the concept of the polar opposites of that when it's like, like how many of you just like listening to sad music? Um, I have a 15 year old <laughs> and her favorite thing is to listen to sad Taylor Swift breakup songs and she's never had a breakup. <laughs> she's never dated. She sort of had a kid that followed her around a youth group that I let ride with us. But she's never dated. She's never had a breakup. But she'll be like literally curled over on the couch, like grasping a pillow, listening to like what's the newest one? The um the newest Taylor's version that just dropped. The album just dropped like two, three weeks ago. I don't know. There's a new Taylor's version that dropped two or three weeks ago. Obviously not the same crowd. Um, um, and she's literally like clutching the pillow, crying, listening to these songs. And I'm just like loving my kid. Like, I'm here for you. If you need to talk about your not yet trauma, I'm down. Um, but at the same time, as soon as that's over, she'll literally turn around and watch Miraculous with her little sisters. Or, you know, they'll go from I want a big happy to a big sad because I think we realize life is full of the positive and the negative, the polar ends of things. And I think one of the scriptures that's so famous for this is, or if you're a Beatles fan, um, Ecclesiastes uh, 3 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. We realize we go from these Barbieheimer moments where we go from this big, playful, dramatic idea to something cold and callous. And our lives are really like that. And usually we don't have much control over it. Usually we end up on highs and lows, whether we want to or not. Um, there's one of my favorite scriptures is John 10, 10. Where Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have more abundantly. He starts out with saying the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But he follows it by saying, and I come that may have life and have more abundantly. One of my favorite speakers when I was a kid said this, Jesus offers us life abundantly, and life is ups and downs. So abundant life means abundant ups and abundant downs. So it's the polar ends. We're going to face a lot of tragedy, and we're going to face a lot of joy. And I think we're drawn to the idea of dealing with both of those. Now, uh, this passage goes on a little bit further. It says, a time to scatter stones a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Um, I've seen on the comm floor people that awkwardly go for hugs, and I see the time for embrace, and the time to refrain from embracing. Um, I see that too. Um, verse six says, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We see there's just, life is built on these polar ends of things. Life is built on this. And one of the things that I think was so surprising, um, <laughs> one of the things I think was so surprising is because everybody, like before the movies came out, everybody looked at this concept of thinking, Oppenheimer's gonna be this dark, horrible story, and Barbie's gonna be warm, bubbly fun. I watched both. And I'm gonna tell you straight up, in my opinion, Barbie was more emotionally traumatic than Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is a real story about real people that lost their lives and how that was created, and I, I get it. It was masterfully done, but Barbie did me more damage. <laughs> um, because, listen, you might think something's just gonna be warm fuzzy, but there's a lot of emotional depth and unpacking to do in the Barbie movie, realistically. Um, and, you know, I warned one of my friends, they're like, you know, I'm, they, they said, I'm, too, I'm not emotionally built to watch Oppenheimer, so I'm gonna watch Barbie. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're in trouble. Uh, um, because we realize even the stuff that we think is going to be a cakewalk is usually not. We enter seasons in our lives where we think, you know what, this is gonna be easy, this is gonna be peaceful. I'm about to go into my uh, rest mode. I was just talking to my friend uh, yesterday about a season where things were going well and she was, came out of one season into another. Sometimes we think that, you know what, I'm in a season where everything's terrible and it's not gonna get better and we're wrong, it's gonna get better. Sometimes we think everything's cool and it's not, there's no way we're gonna have any problems and we can be wrong. We don't always get what we expect with these things, just like if you watch Barbie with no knowledge, you definitely got something you didn't expect. Um, but I will say this, one of the things from Oppenheimer that stuck with me the most was this one question. If you're familiar with the story, it's not just about him building the bomb, it's about him being put on trial for it years later. And the very thing he was tasked to do, he was uh, punished for in a later capacity. And uh, when he was on trial, there were people walking around in the story, and this phrase came up a couple times, who'd want to justify their whole life? Who'd want to justify their whole life? Because he had to give an account for every interaction he had, every person he was friends with, every person he talked to. And you realize, you know, it's the communist era. We saw that within the McCarthyism and everything else. That's what those people were dealing with in that time. And it felt like he was being put on trial for that. And I feel like sometimes, even in our culture, without any authority, we're always putting each other on trial too. And that we're, we're looking at everyone else, whether they agree with us, disagree with us, and we tend to put each other on trial, or sometimes you might feel like you're the one on trial. There is a passage that kind of reflects that as well. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now, if you stop right there, I've heard people use that as like a, a finger-pointing warning of like, you're going to give an account to God. Um, and that's the reality is, we, I truly believe scripture to be true, and I believe, yes, we will all give an account to God for what we do with our lives. I believe that. I believe that to be true. Um, but look what the next verse says. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put stumbling blocks or obstacles in the, the way of a brother or sister. Like, when you put it all in together in the context, all of Romans 14, this whole chapter, and anytime, if you heard me in the Faith and Kingdom discussion panel the other day, or anytime you talk to me, Romans 14 is one of the most important chapters to me in scripture all scripture is profitable for you know i get it you know all it's all good stuff um for me personally romans 14 is one of the best chapters in scripture because it teaches discernment because not everyone is going to have the same convictions not everyone is going to agree with what you do um 
Yesterday, uh, if you're in here, hi. Um, yesterday, somebody was at my booth and we were talking about the street preacher outside. Different, okay. Yeah, we were talking, or there's a few of us that were talking about yesterday. And different d things. Now, I have opinions. Um, but the, the thing with that is everyone is going to see stuff in different ways. And if we all have to give an account for our lives, maybe we should stop trying to throw stuff in front of other people and work on ourselves. Um, because we're making, if, if we spend our time focused on ourselves instead of trying to tear down others and disagree with others and condemn others, we're going to end up in a better place with it. This is, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And by the way, for context, this is the Apostle Paul, who is also the same guy who talks about holding each other accountable and, and actually keeping each other. This isn't just like throwing away discernment or accountability. He's saying, in light of the fact that we're going to be in different places in life, we should treat each other with a little bit more grace in how we're dealing with things. We are going to give an account for things. So maybe we should stop trying to hold each other to the point where we feel like they're being judged and condemned. Now, uh, when it came to that, it was also hard to watch the movie of Oppenheimer and see the choices he made and say, well, yeah, you should be held accountable. <laughs> like, that was big stuff. Not just that it was like a criminal thing. That was life and death stuff on big scales. And when we actually look at it with our lives and realize everything we do matters, Either everything matters or nothing matters. And I personally believe that everything matters, and I think we have purpose. I think you're created with love, and you're a masterpiece, and that your life has value and matter where you're at regardless of any other status because of who created you and who loves you. And with that, I think we need to treat each other with respect in that regard because who would want to justify their whole life? Who'd want to do that? And the reality is, anytime we have to justify our life to somebody else, we're justifying our life to somebody who doesn't know us, who doesn't know our hearts, and who doesn't know everything we've been through in the process. The one thing that I love about the fact we are going to give an account to God is he's the one who actually knows me. He knows me better than I know me. He knows my heart, and if I have to give an account to him, good. <laughs> because at least I know I'm going to be judged fairly and not with somebody else's bias. So I'll take that. Um, I'll take that easily. This um, uh, to learn uh, a line from Alert Barbie, because from, this is from Barbie, and it says, I just learned to cry. First I got one tear, then I got a whole bunch. Because when we're dealing with stuff in life, it can pile up on us. Um, how many of you would feel like right now you've been through a season in your life where it feels like stuff just keeps piling on? How many of you feel like you're on the other side of that? You, you've crossed that line, you're, you're past. Okay, good, fantastic. Because listen, trauma doesn't have to be the end. There is healing, there is hope, there is stuff on the other side of that. But sometimes we're in that ceiling where it feel, that season where it feels like stuff is just piling on and it's just like we're never gonna get out of it. And there's a moment where, you know, you know not whole spoilers for Barbie, but she becomes aware of life and what life really is. And she's like, I just learned to cry got a whole bunch of tears and sometimes how many of you have that person that the right person asks how you're doing you're gonna fall apart everybody else like I'm fine cool 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 the right person looks at you and says how are you really doing you, or the right person hugs you and you're just gonna melt because you're holding it together for everybody else then the right person asks and you just crumble that's me um, I've got those people in my life and the reality is we're all going through stuff that none of us have gone through before 
We've never lived this life before in this capacity. And we're going to be dealing with stuff that we are learning. And I think when we give each other a little bit of a grace curve, uh, when we're dealing with the stuff and we realize that people are going through struggles, we'll learn to be a little bit more compassionate. This is a verse that uh, kind of just realized this. David was a man after God's own heart. He was also an idiot. Um, uh, David made some foolish choices. David committed adultery. David had a dude killed so he could hide his baby mama situation. And David just made a lot of bad choices, but he, at the end of his story, he was considered a man after God's own heart. But even a man after God's own heart who wrote one of the biggest pieces of scripture we have still struggled with his own emotional well-being. He got one tear, then he learned, to get, then he got a whole lot. He says, I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. When I watched the Barbie movie, realistically, just it was like watching somebody learn to feel all their pain at once. And sometimes I think we build ourselves to be so superficial, so hardened, that if we ever actually let our feelings through, it's going to break us. And understand, if you feel hurt and you feel discouraged and you feel frustrated and you feel depressed, that doesn't mean you aren't valued. It doesn't mean you aren't loved. It just means the simple fact that you're going through something that's hard. And that going through hard things does not take away your value. It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you less loved. It doesn't make you completely broken or anything of that nature. You are loved regardless of how hard you're going through something. And you are valued regardless of how hard you're going through something. I'm just going to encourage you. Don't discount yourself because you feel like you don't have it together. None of us have it together. We're either broken and honest or perfect and lying. And that's where we're at with that. And so that's the verse that really hit me. That was, you know, I do this thing and I just started a few months ago. I'll do a one verse movie review. Like I'll take, I'll watch a show or a movie and just give it one Bible verse to kind of try and summarize the whole vibe of it. This was my Barbie one verse review. Um, and so the given account one was the one for Oppenheimer. But with that, I think that was the heart of it. And then Barbie goes on a little bit more, and I think we can all understand this. It says, someone's telling her, that's life. It's all changed. And she responds with, that's terrifying. I don't want that. How many of you just feel like sometimes you look at what the potential of life is, and you're like, nope, don't want it. You're like, I don't, I don't want responsibility. I don't want taxes. I don't want fear. I don't want loved ones gone. I don't want any of this stuff. Um, and when it comes to that, realizing we don't usually get a, a say in the stuff that's hard in our lives. We don't usually get a say in the stuff that kind of breaks us. But we can be, have a say in who we lean on, who we trust, who we walk with, and what we put our faith in. Because that's going to do more good than anything else. Einstein has a quote in Oppenheimer. And I don't know if it's a literal Einstein quote. It's, a, it's an Oppenheimer movie, Einstein quote. If you aren't aware, Oppenheimer is based on a book. And there are liberties taken with the book that the family of Oppenheimer doesn't agree with. Um, so, grain of salt, take that as it will. Um, he says this, when they've punished you enough, they'll serve you salmon and potato salad. That's such a sad reward. Um, <laughs> make speeches, give you a medal, and pat you on the back, telling you all is forgiven. Just remember, it won't be for you, it will be for them. And he's saying, people are gonna dog you, people are gonna trash you, people are gonna put you through anguish, then at some point in time, they're gonna say all is well. And they're going to act like they love you for it. And sometimes we feel like we're in that season where everybody that is our support network doesn't actually support us. They're just saying the things that they have to. I want to encourage you, find the people in your life that are actually supporting you, that are actually willing to be there for you, and not just show up when it's a good public appearance. Um, and that's a hard thing to do. Because listen, 
the older I've gotten, the more I've realized it's harder to make friends and actually have good friendships. So invest in those, not in just the people that will pat you on the back or not in the people that will like your Instagram. Because, um, you know, if they don't share your reel, they don't really love you. Um, <laughs> um, but that's that idea that not every person that, that says they're your friend is their friend. Find people in your life that are actually going to invest in you because that's going to matter. And with that, there's this verse, and this verse gets used for a million different things, and most of the time it's accurate for those things. Um, back to Psalm, or Proverbs, it's Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Listen, you can't guard your heart if you're not aware of where your heart is. You can't guard your heart if you're not aware of how your heart's current emotional status is. So if you're not actually checking on the status of, you know what, how am I doing emotionally? How am I doing mentally? How am I doing spiritually? If you're not checking on your heart, you can't really guard it. Um, I just got Pokemon Sleep. Anybody else playing Pokemon Sleep? What's up? Hey, man, good to see you. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Sleep uh, came with this, or uh, it's part of this handy-nandy doo-doo that if you play Pokemon Go, that uh, it catches Pokemon for you, it throws balls for you, it does all that stuff. But it also measures your sleep. Uh, it will tell you, you're not getting enough sleep. Um, your Pichu is tired, and you need to take care of it. And it like literally gauges it in guards and says, this is what's wrong, this is what's right. And you know, most of the time, I'll be like, I literally have taken a couple extra sleeps, naps, and such, so I can take care of my Pokemon better. Uh, um, so what's that say? What's that say about how I value myself if I'm more concerned about taking care of my Pokemon than me? That's a solid question, and I'm going to investigate that when I check on my own heart, which is what I need to do. Um, but Proverbs 4.23 says we, we need to protect our heart. We need to guard our heart for everything you do flows from it. And sometimes the stuff that breaks us down, the stuff that makes us feel crushed and overwhelmed, happens because we put our hearts in places that aren't safe in the first place. And we put our hearts in conditions where people that we think are safe with them aren't. I, that's, again, you have to protect your heart, but you can't protect your heart if you don't know the condition of your heart and what's threatening it. So if you're truly going to guard your heart, please be aware of what your heart's going through. Please be aware of what's going on in your heart. And listen, sometimes you can't protect everything by yourself, so maybe sometimes guarding your heart means you need to share it with other people so they can help you, so you aren't alone in it. So above all else, guard your heart with that. And um, Barbie has this one line, I want to be part of the people that make meaning, not the thing that is made. Now, you know, that goes to a bigger part of the story and everything else, but listen, do you want life just to happen to you, or do you actually want to live with purpose, with the heart and the goal of actually living life? Because Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That really does come with us taking responsibility to make sure we're living our life with purpose, with direction. And listen, you don't always have to have a plan, but you can have a purpose. You don't always have to have a direction, but you can have somewhere you're generally aiming of what you want to be. And listen, it's a lot easier to know where you want to go when you know the condition of your heart and what is attacking and what's helping and what's blessing your heart in that capacity. Um, there's this verse, Psalms 139. Again, I'm heavy on David today. Um, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Y'all, sometimes we need a good evaluation of where we are and generally, we lie to ourselves. Anybody else just tell yourself you're doing good when you're really not? 
Sometimes we need just to get before God and say, God, please show me what's wrong in my life. Please show me what's wrong in my heart. Please show me the facade I'm putting up for other people. And let me be able to see what's wrong so I can actually get help and grow with it. How many of you like getting on the scale? Cool. Good. Rock on. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Um, I don't love getting on a scale because I'm fluffy. Um, and when I have more time in life, I'm actively working out and I'm trying to become more fit and I'm trying to be healthy more than anything I want to live. Um, and, but usually I don't like getting on a scale because it lets me know something's wrong. I don't like going to the doctor because I'm always afraid he's going to say something's wrong. I don't like going to the dentist because guess what? I don't want cavities. Now, and I firmly believe there needs to be a better reward system for adults to get dental checkups and don't have any cavities. There needs to be a good community support where you, like, you at least get a free meal at Applebee's or something. I don't know. Um, we don't get toy boxes anymore. Um, but just to sell you this, if you really want to be able to have a solid picture of where your life is, don't just look at what you think is going on. Ask God to show you. Because there's nobody that's going to be able to better look at where your heart is, where your soul is, and say, this is what's wrong. Because listen, if you're actually asking and you genuinely want to know, he's going to show you. Most of us, we don't want to know. We treat God like the dentist, like the doctor, like the mechanic, and like the scale. Like, if I come to you, you're going to tell me something's wrong, and I don't want it. And you, God can't help you grow if you don't give him access to your life to be able to show you what's going on in your heart and in your life with that. And I think this is the last verse. Yep, cool. last verse I want to share with you is Galatians 6. And um, this is usually paired with the idea of carrying each other's burdens, which is a whole other topic. Um, Verse 3 says this, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Now, that verse is usually just taken in the context of if you think you're you know, awesome, if you're too full of yourself. Realize sometimes we think we're broken when we're not. We think we're worthless when we're not. We need to be cautious of that too. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Verse 4 says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Each one should carry their own load. Now, two things in this. One, we are responsible for self-inflection. We need to ask God to search our hearts, to search our lives, but we also need to make sure we're doing a checkup on ourselves to make sure we're actually, are the choices you're making right now leading you to where you want your life to be? Are the actions you're taking, are the words you're sharing, are the things you're doing leading you to be the person you want to be? Just pause and ask yourself that every now and again. Then the other thing is this, each person should carry their own load. This same passage in Galatians, the first part of it where it talks about carrying your own burden, carry the burdens of others, a burden is something that you don't choose and you're not responsible for. A burden is something that's placed on you. This verse right here when it says each one should carry your own load, that does, that's not talking about burdens. That's talking about specifically the things that you are responsible for. And the things that we need to check is, are, am I going in the direction I want my life to be going? Am I following God in that direction? And am I taking care of the things that are actually my responsibility? Pleasing other people is not your responsibility. Living up to other people's expectations is not your responsibility. Having people like your social media content, unless your job is social media, is not your responsibility. Sometimes we can't carry our load because we're carrying the burden of stuff that doesn't belong to us. And that can be one of the things that can bring us down the most. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my heart for this. That's what I wanted to share with y'all this morning. We have uh, two or three minutes before we have to move out to let the next panel come in. So before 
uh, go out just to say thank you for being here. I say this every time, but realistically, y'all paid a stupid amount of money to be here today. <laughs> and you chose to come to church. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I like literally, um, you know, I pastor every Sunday and I'm like, I'm like, y'all came here for free. I was like, the peak church people, they paid to get in here. <laughs> and look at them because they're that faithful. And that just literally just blesses me. Um, I love my church, though, by the way, just playing around. Um, but it just means something that y'all are here. So listen, if you're here and you just sat through all that and you're like, and you're a Christian and you're like, and you're just like, great, wonderful, awesome. If you're somebody that's not a believer and you just sat through this and you've got questions, you've got concerns, you've got thoughts, you just want somebody to talk to you about stuff. Don't think because I stand where I stand that I can't listen because I'm a listener. So if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have thoughts, if you just want someone to listen to you, I'm here for that. Artist Alley might be crowded, but try me, okay? And you can always email me or contact me if you need to. Uh, on that note, here's information. Um, if you need to contact me through this, you can do that. All my information is up there too for email, socials, and stuff like that. Um, and but with that, does anybody have any questions? We have a couple minutes before dismiss. I was trying to be good on time. Any comments, questions, anything? Yeah. Can you get a hug? I'm moderately sweaty. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Come on, let's go. One of my favorite conferences I ever went to was a conference called Storyline, which is actually what my notebook is. Um, and Bob Goff was the speaker at Storyline. This was before he published any of his books or anything. And he just like he just talked to us, loved on us for like an hour. And there are 4,000 people in this auditorium. He says, "All right, does anyone want a hug?" And like the whole, he's like, "If you want a hug, line up." The entire 4,000 person auditorium. <laughs> got up and got in line and they dismissed us for four hours to go get food come back line was still going and they waited for the whole conference so that everybody get a hug first so i'm not gonna tell you no for that yeah uh, what's the name of your podcast uh faith and fandom uh if you type faith and fandom into anywhere our you get podcasts it should pop up my actual podcast site is the bottom one on the list um sometimes stuff doesn't always transfer over in the process of you know the satellite stuff yeah uh, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It should all be there, but if you don't see something you're looking for, go to that website and then look here. Um, but it's my, that part of that deal is it's supposed to share it to everything. Um, my YouTube is garbage. Uh, I don't invest in that. So if you're looking for YouTube as my primary, I don't put enough work into it. Sorry. Um, and uh, let's see, got one or two, a minute or two left. Anybody else? I can dismiss you too. I just wanted to add, make sure I gave you time if you have questions. Cool, 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 cool. Fantastic. Thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you for being part of this service. I love you all. And if you got time to come by my booth, I would love to see you up there. Um, not to buy books, just to say hi. Uh, on the book note, if you want to read any of the stuff I've written in our devotionals, you can read it all for free on our website. You don't have to buy books to get it. If you go to faithandfandom.org, you can click the blog section, and there's about 170 devotionals up there of random nerdy stuff, including stuff that's not in the books yet. Like, there's a new Tears of the Kingdom chapter, uh, there's a new Ted Lasso chapter, there's different stuff in there. You can get it before it comes to the books as well. Um, thank y'all. Have a great Sunday.